What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So tonight, I have Dan Barons in the studio with me, the king of Hasbrook Heights, <laughs> Dan the Man Barons. He is here live in the studio. How are we doing, Dan? Uh, just got absolutely killed by an exam, but... Uh... Let's let's talk some sports. Let's talk some sports. He just had a sports law exam, so he had the legal side <laughs> behind sports. Now he's here to talk, you know, the the more, I guess, interesting part for us, at least talking, you know, as a fan from that perspective rather than talking from the law side. But you did yeah. it, though. You took the exam. You got through it. Now that part of the semester is over, right, with that class. You're done with it. So Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I like the class and professor's a beast, but, man, that, that exam was tough. <laughs> yeah, we don't got to talk about my exams, you know. Like, everyone knows me in exams. Not the best test taker, but I'll say this. We, we get through, it's all that matters, right? You just got to persevere and get through at the end of the day, and that's what you did, and no one studies as hard as Dan the man. I told him I actually do respect the grind. The kid does study very hard. So if it was hard for you, it was probably hard for everyone else, I'd imagine. So you keep your head up. You're a winner, right? I hope so, I hope so. Like Sterling Shepard, winner, right? <laughs> uh, so we'll start off tonight. We're going to talk about the NHL. We'll start off with the Bruins. I mean, that's where we're going to start. I'm going to give you just a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about. The, but the Bees, that's probably going to be the hardest thing to talk about since that's probably the biggest upset in Boston. I wouldn't say Boston, what's history? It could be. I mean, there's probably something I'm missing. But at least in the Bruins' history, 100% the biggest upset. I mean, you had mm. the most wins in NHL history. You shouldn't even got to a game seven. You should win in five games, realistically. Maybe six, if that, because anything can happen in a hockey game, right? Mm. The bounce of the puck, yeah. obviously, that plays a big role. But losing that series, very devastating for the Bees. So we'll start off with the Bees. We'll talk about the NHL overall. We'll talk about the Islanders. Talk about how this season ended, how the Bruins season ended. Talk about the future of both those teams, where both teams can go in the next year or so what the team's going to have to do for each of them, but you know what moves they have to make in the offseason. Obviously, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, probably both are gone, I'd imagine. So I think both those guys are going to be gone out of the NHL and retire. So that's one thing the Bruins have to figure out and fill in. Obviously, who's going to take those roles? So we'll talk about the NHL, and then we're going to talk about the NHL bracket, what's left, give our predictions for each round, uh, which I think, yes, it's all set now, the whole entire bracket's set. So we'll give our predictions for each round, and then we're going to move on from that and talk about baseball, talk about the Mets, talk about the Red Sox, talk about the MLB in general, and then I'll also talk about the Celtics. They had a tough game one loss last night to the Philadelphia 76ers who didn't have Joel Embiid. James Harden didn't turn back time. He did go back into 2017. He <laughs> was drilling shots like, Prime's James, like Prime James Harden did back in Houston. That's what he looked like last night. But the Celtics had their hands full last night and just did not play good basketball in the last two or three minutes of the game. And then about Joel Embiid, who... Just currently, as I'm speaking here now, did win the MVP award in the NBA. Not too much of a surprise. I think he deserved it. I remember when I had Matt on and my friend Tim on and also Dylan here in the studio. We were talking about MVPs. And I think I had Giannis at the time, but I said I would not be surprised if Jerome Embiid were to win it. This was right around March Madness, and Embiid did deserve it. So we'll start off, talk about the NHL. Let's talk about the Bees. What was your take on the game, Game 7? What was your take on the series? Anything in general with the Bruins. We'll start off at the game, and then we'll get into the future of the Bees. But obviously devastating loss, the Bruins losing that Game 7 in overtime. For sure. And, I mean, yeah, you look at them during the regular season, you could make the case, obviously, because they had the points record that they were the best team of all time. You could make that case just from, that, just from their record. Um, do I believe that they were the best team of all time, especially after losing? No, but... Um, I would agree with you there. I would agree. I don't think they're the best team of all time. They just seemed a little sloppy during this series, um, considering that Panthers are not are not that good, in my opinion. Uh, playing them in the regular season, seeing some of their games, I don't really. Th- I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team. I thought that the Penguins were better than them. Um, so I was so I was psyched to see that the Panthers uh, made it over the Penguins because I hate the penguins but um not a big crosby guy so i mean to lose to the 
Panthers is that's that's absolutely brutal for a team that was the favorite to I mean they had to be the favorite to win the to win the cup this year. The Bruins hundred percent, one hundred thirty five points. I mean, um, won the President's Trophy, which hasn't really fared well for President's Trophy winners since yeah. twenty twelve. All of them have lost, I believe it, it was. I saw a stat, but and I mean they went they went absolutely all in in these last two years, getting Lindholm, um, bringing in Bertuzzi. Orlov. Orlov and Hathaway, and then bringing in Bertuzzi, giving up first-rounders in all three of those trades. So, I mean, now you look at what they have, and they don't have a first-rounder or a second-rounder for the next two years, and they lost their second-rounder in 2025. It's going to be very tough for them to build young talent around what they currently have. Um, and, I mean, they have, like, a few a few uh, up-and-coming prospects, but, n- in my opinion, nothing nothing really crazy uh, coming up that's going to really take something on the, the top six or a top four D-man. I don't think they have any of that. Um, maybe someone who could fill in on the bottom six. But um, given their, their cap situation, I, I don't know where the team goes from here because – Trying to replace uh, Bergeron and Krejci, their production. I mean, they probably both had, I don't know about Krejci, but Bergeron probably scored 20 this year yeah. um, before he got hurt. And I think Bergeron Krejci, 22, 23 Krejci goals. Krejci probably had somewhere around like 40 points at least, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of them, or Bergeron was playing on his like $2 million contract, but Krejci was on $1 million. And you are simply not going to replace 40 points or whatever he had um, from one million dollars. Yeah, that, no, the Bruins got a deal. That simply deal. does not happen, and and like you said, they're probably both gone. Um, maybe just maybe they can convince Bergeron to come back. Thirty percent chance, I'd say, right now. Thirty-five. I'd say like crazy none. I think I think crazy's gone. Uh, that was a huge surprise. Him even coming back this year. I mean, I I didn't think that either one of them was going to be back this year, but they managed it somehow. Crazy. Um, so yeah, I could I mean, be wrong, but. Krejci, I was surprised he came back as well. I figured it'd be a one and done. Bergeron, mm-hmm. I mean, we were just looking at my sports analytics class. We were looking at the Corsi stat, which obviously yeah. breaks down players and shots and shots blocked, all that, right? Bergeron's number one in the NHL in that. He's a very valuable player in respect. I yeah. think it was, um, it was relative, uh, Corsi, so it wasn't overall. But it, it, in the Corsi relative mm-hmm. statistic, you know, we just broke down the class. He was number one, very valuable player, obviously offensively, defensively, yeah. best two-way forward in the league. Yeah. Selkie finalist, again, not really too much of a surprise. Every single year he plays, probably going to be in there. But where the Bruins went, obviously, this year, and no one really expected them to be this good. Everyone probably said that no one thought they would be good enough to win the Stanley Cup, but nobody thought they'd be bad enough to get a top pick. So they were in the middle heading into mm-hmm. the season. Nobody really yeah. thought this team was... Too bad or too good to be the top or the bottom of the NHL. Everyone thought they were going to be average, right? Obviously, they start the season very hot, winning every game at home. I think they were 15-0 to start at home, didn't lose a game regulation home, blowing teams out. Obviously, if you look at what the Bruins have done in years past, they haven't started this hot ever, obviously, over the course of the season. But they have injuries and stuff like that. This team, for the most part, stayed healthy. They did have some injuries along the way, but they stayed healthy for the most part. This team in the playoffs, besides Bergeron's injury and Krejci's injury, Everyone was healthy for the most part. Yeah, for sure. So the only ones to blame for the Bruins and, and why they got to where they are right now, obviously, is how good everyone was playing in the regular season. But then mm-hmm. in the playoffs, there's no excuses. I mean, the Bruins are the reason mm-hmm. they lost in seven games to Florida. You shouldn't lose game five. Or it was game, yeah, game five, six, and seven. They lost three straight. You're up 3-1 to Florida. Even in game six, you're up in – or was it game seven? They're up 3-2 mm-hmm. to two with yeah. – what was it, uh, a minute and a half to go, a minute? Yeah. They pulled the goal with about two minutes to go, Florida. They get a goal with about 56 seconds to go. 
you have a chance to end the series right there and, and win in Game 7. It shouldn't get to Game 7, but you have a chance to end the series there in Game 7, yep. get to the next round, reset, set your head, obviously, figure out everything you got to figure out, and get back on track. The Bruins, just the problem is they didn't make any adjustments. The adjustments they made were switching lines a million times, which I don't know how that helped. I mean, they switched the D pairings right away in, the, yeah. in that last game, yeah. right away. <laughs> I don't really know how, you, how they really went about making adjustments since it really didn't look like they didn't make too many. And I think I talked to Mike Hurley about this. I talked to my dad about this. I even told you, I think. I think what the Panthers did well with the Bruins, they got, they got in the Bruins' heads. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Bruins only wanted to fight. I think it was around game five when Almack got in that fight. It was game four or five, Almack got in that fight with Kachuk. I think it was four. Four, maybe. Either way, regardless, whatever it was, gets in a fight with Almack, right? Could have been early in the series. Regardless, doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was four. But regardless, no matter what it was, right, four or five, let's say three, <laughs> they got in the Bruins' heads. They got in the Bruins' heads mm-hmm. very well, and the Bruins didn't play great hockey at all anyways. They played very sloppy. But when you get the team to get their head out of the game, mm-hmm. the Bruins are just beating themselves at that point. Yeah. And if you look at it, the Bruins' best players, I mean, not many of them showed up. Lindholm did not show up in the series. McAvoy did not play well in the series. Yep. McAvoy was the reason they scored two goals in that game seven. At, le- at least mm-hmm. one of them, maybe a second you can blame. Grizzly and Elmark for that game six mishap there behind the net. Was it game six that was, right? Uh-huh. Elmark behind the net. Okay. I think it was, no, it was game five. Elmark had the five. turnover in game five right behind the net. Yeah. Allmark and Grizzlick both out of place, not knowing what they were doing. I blame Allmark more than Grizzlick, but both of them should have been better yeah. in that play. Game six, giving up four goals in the third period. Oh, the Bruins scored three goals in the, in the third period. Well, that doesn't matter. Dig up four goals in the third period. That's the reason you lose that game seven to five. That should not happen. Yeah, I think Swayman sure. played very well in game seven. I know I'm a little bit all over the place right now, but I think Swayman played well in game seven. I wouldn't blame him for the reason yeah, why the Bruins fine. lost. I he think he fine. played well. But for sure, he was fine. You look at the Bruins' best plays, and we talked about this before. Allmark, McAvoy, Bergeron was hurt. Krejci was even hurt for a little bit. Moshin didn't really show up that much. I, I, I don't think I heard his name once in the series. None of, the, none of them showed up. Bertuzzi's the only player that showed up. Five goals, five assists, ten points in the series. Pasta, pa- pasta was fine. Pasta had a goal here and there, a couple goals. He was fine. Um, but, yeah, I could not tell you if, if Marchand even had a point. I could not even. He had four assists somehow in game six. You wouldn't believe it, but he did. Uh, but not, not, no goals. That's what he's built for. He's not really – he does get a lot of assists, but – you're looking for him to, to snipe and have a big I mean, shot yeah, in a big situation. Yeah, he's a big he's a big scrappy guy that'll just get a scrappy goal in front of the net. Yeah. Um, and he didn't really do that. I mean, I don't know if that's totally on him or if that was just, like you said, like switching up the lines, like putting Frederick on like the second line. I don't know yeah, what I don't know what that was. Um, you were right about Paso, five goals. He did have a couple of big goals, as I said. Game, game six, he had two goals, actually. But he had five overall in the series. So impressive series for Paso, five goals. No assists, though, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, just, guy, it was but... just very sloppy. Lindholm did not have a good series. Um, yeah, he played very poorly. And right. obviously, you mentioned that Olmark goal. That just lost them game five. And I think I think that was a turning point of the series, for sure. Like, you give up that, that's totally deflating the sales. Um, that's in game five, yeah. Because they're in that game. It's, it's overtime. It's, it's OT, so they could have just ended it right there. If Olmark doesn't make that mistake, it's maybe a completely different... Completely different outcome for the series. Definitely. Uh, and with Marshall, he did score four goals, but one was in, the last one he scored was in game five. Obviously, the Bees lost that game. Game four, he did score a goal. But in the last three games, the Bruins lost, only scored one goal, did have five assists in those games. But I think you expect more from him offensively than, I mean, he did have the assists, but yeah. you expect more. I mean, the shifts, he had 36 shifts in game seven. He played a lot in game seven. Mm-hmm. And you're right, you didn't hear his name much. He had a minus two rating in game seven, Gosh, just three yeah. shots on goal, mm-hmm. 25 minutes on ice and 36, 36 shifts. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, even if you look at his stats in the series, yeah, four goals, six assists, ten points in seven games is great. 
Game seven is where you need him to show up the most. Didn't show up. Lindholm didn't show up. McAvoy was out of place. At least had a couple goals. One of them was mm-hmm. definitely his fault. The other one you probably blame yeah. him on as well. Mm-hmm. Montour killed the Bruins. I mean, I don't, I don't know if oh, anyone really man, expected yeah. him to really show up. Mm-hmm. Kachuk played great as well. Kachuk's probably the MVP of the series. Mm-hmm. Florida did show up to play. And I think a team, which I've said this before a million times, a team that's playing with house money that everybody already counted out. Everyone saw the Bruins probably winning mm-hmm. the series in five games, maybe six at worst. I said five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody gave Florida a chance here. And honestly, credit to Florida. I know as a Bruins fan, it's tough to say that. But I think if you look at Florida, they played harder. They wanted it more. The Bruins played so sloppy in Game 7, Florida wanted it more. Credit to them. That's just how it goes. It, it sucks to say as a Bruins fan, but the reality is they wanted it more. Yeah, I mean, they could have easily sat down and died Game 5, uh, saying, oh, yeah, we're down 3-1. Yeah, like, we're, like we weren't expected to win the series anyway. At least we got a game here. They could have easily sat down and died. They got that scrappy goal, Game 5, to take win that. OT, and then, know? sure enough, they won the next two after that, so... I mean, you never really know what happens in um, in playoff hockey because a lot of times, I mean, you could build a you could build a team as good as it can get, but a lot to- a lot of times it's it's luck, it's getting that scrappy goal in OT. Um, Definitely, I remember the Islanders did the same thing against the the Penguins two years ago. Um, Jari decided it was a great idea to throw the puck out um, in, into the neutral zone when there was just nobody there, and the Isles took it and scored an OT to win to win a game. So I mean. A lot of times there's a, a ton of luck involved in hockey. I think the most in any professional sport. I think way more than football. Football is very, um, very structured in how the games go. And 100%. you could absolutely yeah. game call a game. And I think it's similar in, in NBA. Obviously you have some crazy shots that guys can hit, guys get hot. But um, with, with scoring in hockey, so much is based on luck that... Bounce of the puck. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen. So Definitely. Um, a rebound. I mean, I mean, Bruins definitely put the best team they could out there. Um, they got Marchand back and uh, Bergeron back. Crazy back. Um, but they both came back healthy in the series. But it was just, it was just too uh, too little, too late um, for them. By by the time they came back, it would they basically thought they already won the series. And uh, from from my experience uh, playing sports in high school, when you when you already think you won, that's when you start to lose. I would say that very well as well. I I can give you a million examples i'm not gonna but i do think when you count yourselves already as a winner you do tend to get too confident and then you play laxed and you think oh we already won we're fine we're in a good position oh we're still mm-hmm. up 3-1 oh we're up 3-2 oh it's 3-3 we're going to game seven we're going back to boston that's a bruins problem i said this to dan before the game going into game seven i said it to i believe it was my mom before game seven my dad as well i said the bruins not many teams go from up being up 3-1 especially as dominant as the Bruins were in the regular season, they don't start out 3-1 and then let it get to Game 7. They might lose Game 5, then you win a Game 6. I thought the Bruins do a die game as Game 6. I thought if it got to Game 7, Florida was winning. I told you before Game 7, mm-hmm. I said I think Florida wins this game. And it's not a great thing to say as a Bruins. I'm not bragging saying, oh, I called the game as a win. I just saw the momentum. Mm-hmm. And the Bruins shouldn't have let that get to a Game 7. It's 1,000% on the Bruins. And that's why it's very disappointing, because the Bruins should have won this in probably five games. Mm-hmm. But... At the end of the day, it's who plays hotter and wants it more. The Bruins didn't. That's a reality. I mean, Florida did deserve that series. Yeah, I think they I think they blinked in Game 5, and they were saying, hey, going into Game 5, they were probably saying, all right, yeah, we'll win either Game 5 or Game 6. Yep. Um, and once you lose Game 6, it's a little too late to say, hey, now we need to win, and you just can't do it like that. 100%. Um, That's how sports you know, go. You made a great point. When you count yourselves already being a winner, it's just at the end of the day, you just set up to fail because you're playing laxed. But... The Bruins now add to a list of long, 
A long list of President's Trophy winners the last 10 seasons. None of them have won the Cup. The Bruins of 2013-2014 won the President's Cup, uh, Trophy. They lost in the second round to Montreal. They did as, as well in 2019-2020, lost the second round to Tampa Bay, and now this year losing the first round to Florida, who actually won the President's Trophy last year, losing in the second round to Tampa Bay. So the Bruins now 10 years in a row. The last one, the, 10 years in a row, the trophy, uh, President's Trophy winner did lose by the second round, except in one year, the Rangers went to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. But now the Bees add to that now the 10th team. The last team to win was Chicago in the 2012-2013 season winning the Stanley Cup. So, disappointed season. Would you say it's the most disappointing loss in Bruins history? I mean, I know we weren't alive for the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, even. We don't really remember as well. We remember after, like, probably 2005, 2006 when I started to remember everything in sports, you know, for the most part that I, I grew up watching. But in my lifetime, I'd say it's the most, you know, I guess devastating loss as a series, because you lose big yeah. games here in the Game 7s. I mean, yeah. losing in the Cup to the in the Game 7 to the St. Louis Blues, that was tough. But reality is, I mean, anything can happen in a Game 7. Yeah. In that year, the Bruins were good. St. Louis was really good. This year, the Bruins were exponentially better than what Florida was in the regular season. But oh, Florida yeah. played better. Sure. Florida did have the seventh-best offense in the NHL. Worked really great defensively. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Spencer Knight wasn't there, former BC goalie. Mm-hmm. We obviously got to see him play here a couple of years. He wasn't there for, for issues off the ice. Then you have Bobrovsky, you know, two-time uh, Vezina winner. Wasn't as good as he was in years past, though. No shot. No shot. I mean, they just stepped up and they made plays. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, credit to them for, for, what, they, for what they did. They, they stepped up in a big moment, obviously, in winning a game. Seven's huge. But would you say the most disappointing loss? At least at the time um, you followed hockey. I mean, I know obviously me and you can't talk I, about the 70s and, and the Bruins and the yeah, 80s. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely say in recent years, last four or five years or so, I'd say it's the biggest, one of the biggest upsets in the last, in, in hockey. Probably Boston, hockey in hockey general, period. Hockey period. Bruins in general, hockey in general, honestly, even Boston sports, maybe it's sports in general to a degree, because a lot of people, yeah. the Bruins were heavy favorites in Vegas to win the cup this mm-hmm. year, heavy favorites. Yeah, I mean, they set, they set the freaking point record, like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right, that's a good point. And you're saying that they're going to lose in the first round to a team that's barely going to make it in, like. That's that. That's gotta be one of the biggest uh, postseason upsets ever. Hundred percent. I'm with you. I agree. So that's our takes on the Bruins. Maybe we move on now. Talk about the Isles. Obviously, things didn't work out for them either. But the Isles, oh, yeah. obviously, the Isles had an uphill battle facing mm-hmm. Carolina without Shchenkov being hurt, and they had um, who else was hurt? Taravina uh, uh, was also. Taravina was also hurt. I knew someone else was hurt on that team. Mm-hmm. Were those two guys hurt? Obviously, Taravina got hurt in mid series. Uh, Shchenkov missed the entire series, right? Mm-hmm. So with those two injuries, it was still an uphill battle for the Isles. They did fight hard, though. They did yeah. fight hard. They forced the game six. Yeah. Things didn't work out in that game six. They played very hard in that game six, even had a lead at one point. Yeah. At least one positive of the Isles is that, obviously, considering they're playing an uphill battle, they did fight hard. It's different than the Bruins. The Bruins are expected to win the Cup this year and, yeah. and really yeah, didn't. Sure. So at least the Isles, though, they probably set up a little bit better, at least money-wise, for the future than the Bees. But let's hear your takes on the Isles. Yeah, I mean... So, Barzal was out for the last, I don't know, 20, 25 games of the season going into the playoffs. Um, and he came back for game one, and everyone was like, yeah, let's go. Um, but the the only problem was uh, Barzal is the most important part of their power play, hands down. And they had the 31st power play in the regular season. Um so it's a miracle that they even made the playoffs considering their power play struggles. Um, and so you get Barzell back to the fold. Him being out for 25 games, that's not going to really... It, 
it's going to take some time for the power play to get going again. 100%. For a um, team that's already struggling the power play even with yeah. him in there, now it's different yeah. you add in a guy like mm-hmm. Horvat at the trade deadline. But like you yeah, said. Yeah, uh, when I think it was when before they got Horvat, um, when they just had Barzell, their power play was at like 19%, like bottom of the league basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they had Horvat and Barzell together for, I think they had them for Hit five games, yeah. five games or so um, in the regular season together before Barzell got hurt, it was up to thirty five percent. Yeah, and two, then, two great players. And then when Barzell yeah. got hurt, it was back down to sixteen percent or so. So I mean, their their power play was totally dependent on those two guys, and. Horvat, quite frankly, did not really show it. Has not really showed it with the Isles yet. He just hasn't. Um, and I mean, they gave him a big, big extension. They needed to, and I still like the extension that they gave him um, because they need more firepower around Barzal. He's not going to be able to do everything, and uh, no one else on that first line. Anders Lee's not going to. Isn't the type of player to absolutely take over an offense. He's more of a player to stand in front of the net, get some tips, get some. Um, sloppy goals, but um, they 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 definitely needed a lot of help um, going into this series. Even with Sveshnikov and Teravainen out, um, they just they just didn't have enough firepower um, going into the series, um, and the big guns didn't really show it. I mean, Barzell had a few a few goals in this series, but um, Horvat did basically nothing except have I think an empty netter. Yeah. And maybe maybe one other goal. I think he had two goals, um, if I remember right, yeah. Wasn't many though. So I mean I'll give you the player from the f- from your first line you need more and for that one goal you drilled it. Yeah, and I think it was an empty netter. Um, Brazil two goals, Brock Nelson two goals, Palmieri two goals, so that's those your leaders right there. Yeah, I mean you need you need some guys who have four or five goals like the Bruins had, even though I mean that went to seven, so it's a little different, but um still you need to you need some more offense um, from this team, and I mean they're not really built to do that. Um, so that's <laughs> that's something else that they need to do. They need they need to get more offensively minded. Um, whether that's bringing in a, a new uh, puck handling defenseman or someone else like a bring in a shot taker, yeah, someone that can shoot, someone like set that. guys up. Barzo sets guys up well, though. I know Barzo yes, would, sure. would rather pass than than shoot. Mm-hmm. I think Barzo take more shots, but. Yeah. The reality of the situation is, though, he's been, he's been great at what he's doing, so he can't really change it. But he likes to pass more than, more than he likes to shoot. Yeah, that's what the what analysts have been saying for the last two years or so, that every single time he gets the puck in a 2v1, he's looking to pass that puck. So, so often you see the defender just solely playing the pass, and Barzell still tries to get it over and has broken up instead of getting a pretty wide-open shot. Um, and, I mean, Barzell doesn't have the best shots, so, I mean, it makes sense why he's looking to pass first, but, I mean, I, I think he has a very underrated shot. I mean, he had a absolute snipe um, under the glove in, uh, I can't remember what game it was. Four game, I think it might have been game four. Four, yeah. Um, but, but you want to keep the I defense mean, honest. You want to be able to be able yeah, to shoot and yeah. pass. You want to keep them yeah, honest. They don't yeah. just bite on every fake mm-hmm. or bite on every pass. Yeah, I mean, because every single time it's a 2v1, the defense is guessing pass, and it doesn't work too often now Now that everyone knows that Barzell's a passer. Um, but they're, they're going to need a little bit of an, I'm not going to say a complete overhaul because obviously they signed Horvat. Um, they had Barzell locked up to a contract that they re-signed him to, uh, before the season started. He's making him probably around, uh, I think like nine mil a year. Horvat, I think um, it was around there, yeah. Horvat, I think it's like eight, eight, eight and a half, something like that. 
What was they nine? Um, yeah, something like that. And they have uh, Anders Lee for seven, I think, for the next three years, and Brock Nelson around six. So, I mean, they have some pieces there to score some goals, but um, I think they definitely need to add somewhat else to um, expand their um, scoring depth a little bit more. I mean, because they have a guy like Paul Mary for $5 million, but, I mean, is he still a guy that could score 30? I don't, I don't really know. Um, he, he actually had a pretty good year this year, but he was bagged up for uh, 30 games or so, so that kind of took down his total goal t- uh, potential goal tally. Um, and they still have uh, Josh Bailey locked up for $5 million. They're probably going to have to dump him um, to salvage whatever cap they can um, to try to go after a guy like Tarasenko, who's going to command Tarasenko's a free, free agent. $7 yeah. million, probably. Tarasenko this year, 18 goals, 32 assists, 50 points. Pretty good season, 69 games played. So, yeah, you're right. He's going to get a lot of money, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, there's some other players out there. Patrick Kane's a free agent as well. Mm-hmm. Bergeron, I mean, this we're talking B's and Isles here for offseason. Bergeron, you got to replace his 27 goals and 31 assists yeah. if you want to leave. Sure. That's another hole there for the B's. Mm-hmm. Debrinkit, free agent. Debrinkit, okay. At least, I, I, I here's the thing, though. He think he's restricted, so I think you'd have to technically You would have to match. Trade or um, match, a tr- Yeah. He could have signed a trade thing, maybe, I don't know. But I thought I read that they wanted to trade him, but I don't, you can't trade him because he's a free agent, so. Who was he with, Ottawa? Ottawa, yeah. They yeah. just traded him at the uh, start of the uh, draft last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're going to be looking to trade him. They probably want some They could potentially trade experience. him, but yeah, I think they'll probably keep him, actually. But I think he's had a year left on his deal somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Couldn't move and go get a guy like that, though. For the Bruins, I think it's more try- more just re-signing who they can from all their free agents. I mean, because they have ten and a half in cap to work with for this offseason. And you have Bergeron, Bertuzzi, Felino, Nosik, Bergeron, Swayman, Clifton, Krejci. I mean, all these guys are free agents. Orlov, yeah. so, all these guys are free agents. I mean, I don't know what their, what their plan is with Orlov or Bertuzzi. I think they're going to try to re-sign Bertuzzi, and he's going to get at least five, if not six. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so you incorporate that, and they're already you already cut that cap room in half. Um, and I imagine they're going to um, re-sign Swayman. Um, he's been great for them as a backup goalie, um, and obviously started Game 7 for them. Yeah, um, played well, too, in Game 7. Mike Crow was right. Swayman is good. He probably should have started maybe even earlier. Because so Almach did not have it. Almach's yeah. partly to blame as well. We didn't even talk about Almach, really, besides the turnover, but he's to blame as well. He wasn't as good as he was in the regular season. He regressed mm-hmm. to the mean in the biggest moments. Towards the end of the season, the Bees did get a little sloppy, you know, Probably the last third of the season got a little sloppy, but it was, oh, they're waiting for the playoffs. That's what mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. But he's probably to blame for, for the reason they had a collapse, obviously, in the series, definitely. Yeah. I Giving mean, up I seven think, goals, you're not going to win many games. But. I think for sure that, I mean, he's an RFA, so they'll have an easier time signing him. But, I mean, you look at his save percentage this year, it was 920. I mean, he could get two, three million. I'd say three. Um, change, maybe three and a half for a team that's going to say, screw it, why not? Three years, you know, whatever, maybe 11 so, million. Could I get mean, that. Three years, 10 and a half. Who knows? You incorporate that. Let's say let's say it's th- uh, three million, and between him and Bertuzzi, that means you have less than two million to work with to sign another f- four forwards and two defensemen that you're losing. I mean, they're, if they're going to sign Bertuzzi, just him, um, they're definitely going to have to trade either a Taylor Hall, a Carlo. Um, I don't think they would trade Coyle, but I would be all for it. I think um, Coyle. I think Coyle will be traded. I think Taylor Hall will be moved. I think that's my biggest off-season prediction. It's not even that, even that crazy, but Taylor Hall does have a six million dollar cap hit next year. 
So he's getting seven point two five in his total salary and mm-hmm. his total cap at six million. I think he'll be traded. I think the Bees will move on from him. Charlie Coyle, five point two five million dollar cap in next year. I think he'll yeah. be moved on from as well. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys, I think, are potentially gone. I mean, yeah, and no, I was gonna say Zaka, but probably not. They'll probably have to keep Zaka. Zaka they just extended. They just extended. They, they also traded they from him. although the guy they traded him for ended up playing better than he did, <laughs> but that's just a reality how like, things go. Eric Hollow was a big reason the uh, was, yeah. Devils won that game seven against the Rangers. But yeah. reality situation is I think Coyle, Hall, Hall I'd say eighty percent gone, Coyle fifty percent. What do you think about Carlo? I think Carlo's probably about 50-50. Depending on what... Mm-hmm. You can get value from him, do you think, right? Yeah. You can still get value from him. Maybe not crazy value. Those other two guys have a little more. Hall definitely is a lot of value. Yeah, I think player Hall Player-wise, six lot. million is a lot of money, but he, he still is a good player. Yeah, I think Hall has a lot of value to be in someone's top six. Um, and Coyle, debatably second line. Second or third, yeah. yeah he's in the middle, probably. He's more of like a third liner. Um, he's... Getting overpaid, so it would have to go to a more of a non-contender. Um, but, yeah, you can get some value for him, whether it's a third-round pick, second-round pick, whatever. Yeah, and then um, Carlo, what would you say? He's getting Carlo, $4.1 as a cap next year. I'd say you could probably get... I was going to say maybe get, you won't get a, you won't get a you know, great piece for your team. You probably get a you know, similar play to you know, his level, but mm-hmm. less money. I think you probably get... Yeah, I mean, I don't really know uh, too much about what his uh, I don't defensive value. metrics are, but... He's good. I was gonna say, what's his value on the market? I don't know. I mean, a defenseman that's twenty seven. He's good. Not really too offensive or anything. But yeah, I mean, like he's 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 been okay as a defensive defenseman. Not great. And yeah. I mean, now with the NHL moving more towards offense, offensive that's why I don't think he's gonna be valued. It's three goals, thirteen assists this year. I think I think they'd be lucky to get like a fifth round pick, sixth round pick for him. I was gonna say around a fourth or fifth, roughly somewhere in that yeah, range. Yeah, like I I I think they would be lucky to do that. He's former second round pick himself, but I think. I think they were. I think they'll probably keep him. But I, I agree, there was a chance mm-hmm. they could trade him. If you yeah, want to trade I mean, him, you have to get a defensive unit that also take his position. That's his thing. That's the thing. But I think Hall and Corey are a little bit more replaceable. Yeah, I mean, between their who they have on defense right now, they got uh, McAvoy, Lindholm, Grizzlick, uh, Grizzlick, um, they, they had Orlov, but Forbort. Um, those four guys Forward right there. $3 million. He, he could he could go. He could also go. Um, I think they who wants him probably though? should let him go. Um, anybody wants him for, though? Bag of chips, but yeah, they many people. Um, He's thirty-two years old, almost thirty-one right now. If they can, yeah, if they can manage to uh, trade forward, I think they should bring back Clifton. He'll probably be on a very good uh, team-friendly contract, one and a half million. Done. I think. I think you would take that in as uh, your bottom to uh, bottom D pair. Um, but I mean, you if you're able to dump Carlo, that frees up another four million that you can. Maybe you could try to go after Orlov. And but the bigger Bertuzzi. issue, the bigger issue is with <laughs> with Krejci and um, I think they're Krejci, both gone. Both gone. Um, those are bodies you need to replace, and you don't want to just say like, "Hey, let's give one million to Nosek and put him on the third line." Yeah, that's gonna. I'd agree with you. I mean, you probably want to keep most of the band still together, but you do have to make moves. Yeah. I mean, if you if you only have eleven million in cap space and you have six million to Taylor Hall and five point two five to Charlie Coyle, you're looking around saying, "Okay, yeah. if we could trade him and maybe take." Six million and split it up among two plays, go three million to three million for two different guys, fills a little more of a hole than Charlie Coy would give you or Taylor Hall probably. And realistically, yeah. I thought the Taylor Hall injury mid season, I thought it was, uh, oh, we're just going to sit him out. And which teams do do that. The yeah. Lightning do that all the time. For they sure. sit a guy to the playoffs yeah. to save money. Mm-hmm. The Bruins obviously know they're in a cap mm-hmm. issue situation. They sat him, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the injury was that bad. They sat him for the rest of the regular season for, for a reason. I don't think it was the injury he probably had. But point me is, I think they know, okay, he's making too much money. And at the end of the day, I well, yeah, they, they, 
they needed to, to get under the cap, to, right? To, like up to, to make it work. Game, right? To make it work when getting Bertuzzi and Orlov, Orlov Hathaway, yeah. Um, even with other teams eating a bunch of that their contracts. Um, so yeah, but, I mean, yeah, they're I mean, they're in trouble. The bees with with cap, but I think you could figure that out. That's part of being a GM is. Which is something I want to do one day is look at all the math and everything, not being a hockey one, because hockey is a talk. I talked to you about this before. <laughs> hockey, there's too much of a difference between 5.25 million and 5.5 million. Yeah. That's not my type of, you know, uh, GM uh, forte. I'd rather, I would rather, you know, be sending out money left and right like a baseball GM or something, a yeah. football. Like, that's what I'd rather be doing. But mm-hmm. if I were to be a hockey GM, I mean, it'd be a dream. But regardless, point being, being a GM, a part of the job is figuring out, okay, how can we get under the cap now and also keep yeah. it competitive? Sweeney somehow did turn a lot of those trades into good moves. Obviously, mm-hmm. it did keep them in the mix of things this season. I do agree with you, though. If you do go all in, we talked about this last week, or last weekend even, when it was maybe game five, then we said it again game seven. If you go all in and it doesn't work out, you trade all those draft picks to get Bertuzzi, mm-hmm. get Orlov, get Hathaway, put yourselves in a worse position in the future drafting-wise, which either way, the Bees probably would rather win this year than, mm-hmm. you know, who cares on the first-round pick in 2025. Yeah. Point being is when you lose, though, then you look at it and say, well, we lost, and we lost that draft pick, and Bertuzzi's a free agent. What are we going to do? That's part of being a GM. So Sweeney's yeah. got a lot of homework to do. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Frederick's also a free agent. And, I mean, I didn't realize. He had, like, 35 points last year. He had a good and year, this, yeah. This past year. Kind of popped off, yeah. In a contract so year. He's, he was at $1 million for this year, and he's an RFA. So he's, I'd assume, at least going to get two and a half, if not, like, three. Um, for scoring 18 goals, I mean, that's, that's what the market's at. Um, you bring him on as a third liner for some teams going to give him three million. Um, and well. if it's not the Bruins, some team will, and uh, Bruins will have to match that if they want to keep him. Definitely. Um, so they're going to have a lot of spots to fill, and who knows if that's going to be with guys who are actually good or just guys that they can manage to get under the cap. Definitely. Um, yeah, Frederick, 17 goals, 14 assists, 31 points. Pretty good year. Yeah. It's he's a big guy too, six three. He plays mm-hmm. a lot of physical too. It helps, but yeah, he 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 really stepped off this year. I I think he's one of the uh, unsung heroes for the Bruins being so strong this year. Yeah, no, he was great. Um, I think even you could look around the whole entire team. Jake DeBrus coming back obviously oh, and sure, yeah. was in trade rumors. Mm-hmm. He played great this season. I know people can talk yeah. about oh, he plays. He's playing next to you know Mosh and Berger. Yeah, it makes a difference. But he's still scoring a lot of goals. Still making yeah, plays. Sure. Was a valuable piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was obviously one good thing there. Uh, Tim Loftus asks, or he said, his first note was, the coaching was poor for the Bruins. I agree with you. The adjustments weren't mm-hmm. there. Florida did play more aggressive. Also, if you're the coach, you've got to say, who cares about hitting them? I need hitting's part of the game, but who cares about trying to fight them every second after Paul <laughs> Mock wanted to fight Kachuk? Stay in the game, stay locked in. The Bruins weren't. They were distracted. It got the better of them. Obviously, Florida did what they had to do. Got the yeah. Bruins distracted. Obviously, the Bruins weren't playing great hockey even when they were locked in, but mm-hmm. uh, it obviously gets their minds out of the game even more when you're keeping them distracted by trying to fight. He also said, why was there a goalie change in Game 6, uh, I, or after Game 6? I think they lost confidence in, in Elmark. Mm-hmm. I think they saw, obviously, the poor play, giving up four goals in, I think three, one might have been empty netter in that end of Game 6. But I think they saw three goals in the third period, gave up six goals in that game. The Bruins gave up seven overall. I think they lost a little confidence. I think they lost a little confidence. And then, obviously, you look at it. Swayman did have a really good year as a backup. They said, all right, let's mix it up. Swayman played well. I, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even blame Swayman for the reason yeah. they lost that game. Uh, and then he said that he also thought it reminded him of the 18-0 Patriots, the 17-0, 18-0 Patriots, 18-1, obviously, when the Giants beat them, which <laughs> means you were a big Giants fan, so we're happy with that. But I think it might have been a little bit different than that 18-1 thing. Obviously, football is just a one-game thing. Anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. Losing a seven-game series, though, that was, I think, a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, I think, 
I think uh, taking out Olmark, it's one of those things like, yeah, you give up six goals with Olmark in net and say you put him back out there for game seven and he gives up three in the first period, it's it's too late to change him then. 100%. Um, you go with something, you, you go with a gut uh, feeling that Swayman's going Swayman to do well and um, that's something that uh, Montgomery's going to deal with. I mean, who knows? 100%. No, you're right. It's the best way to put it there. Uh, so that's our talk about the Bees. Obviously, the Isles, the future of both those teams. Yeah. Uh, both of them have to figure things out <laughs> in the offseason, but hopefully they both do. Obviously, I know you're big Isles guys, so I yeah. know you're, you're going to be paying attention heavily. Yeah, I mean, um, between, between the Bruins, Islanders, and Rangers, you're going to have three diff- completely different-looking teams coming next year. Yeah, completely big off-seasons. Big off-seasons. Uh, one play I want to point out, we did talk about Sam Bennett. Very good game. Yeah. Uh, he played six games, did miss a game. Six games, three goals, two assists, five points. He obviously contributed with Kachuk, and it was a big reason they mm-hmm. won that series. Same thing with Montour. Sure. Montour was yeah. a killer, and Kachuk even as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a talk about the Bees. Obviously, they collapse. Obviously, the Isles didn't finish the way they wanted, um, but obviously they have, they have things to figure out in the offseason as well. For sure. As for the rest of the NHL playoffs, here's the bracket here. Yeah. So well, we can just give our quick picks for each series. Seattle somehow taking out Colorado. I'm happy to see that. I, I knew Seattle would win that game seven. Once again, you let a team into a game seven situation. Usually they win that game seven if they shouldn't be there. Seattle probably shouldn't have been in the game seven considering and Seattle was good this year, don't get me wrong, but yeah. the Avalanche should win the cup last year. Mm-hmm. Probably better roster overall. Yeah. Seattle, I believe, won that game six, forced the game seven, then won game seven, if I remember right. Yeah, I think so. I think they were down three two. Uh which I'm gonna double check there, but Colorado obviously had issues. Injuries to Landeskog was a big, obviously, loss. The suspension to, uh, not Kadri, to uh, Makar was a big loss. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, Kadri leading the offseason was the exact same team that they had yep. in the past. But mm-hmm. uh, what's your take on Seattle in the next series? Uh, they are playing so, Dallas. the Stars. Yes. I like the Stars. I think they have a lot of firepower, but I don't think they're one of the big dogs. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Kraken squeak out another six, seven game series. I would say, I'm going to say Kraken seven. Also, Colorado won game six, forced to game seven. Seattle won game seven. Mm-hmm. But regardless, Seattle, I mean, if you look at it, people, probably most people would have had the Avalanche winning that series in six or seven games. Yeah. Even the Avalanche weren't mm-hmm. as good as they were last year. They still mm-hmm. probably have a better roster construction. But I would agree yeah. with you. I think Seattle can beat Dallas in seven games. Yeah, That's I mean, with, uh, with Dallas having. It, they just have a ton of a ton of talent. Um, Beat the Wilds in six games. And their and their forward group. I mean, with Robertson, just Jimmy Ben. Yeah, nuts. nuts. Tyler Sagan. Sagan, <laughs> Boston yeah. legend. Yeah, he was <laughs> um, young stud back in the day, but he was he was really good. But Sagan. I mean, yeah, I mean, if the Kraken could be a little bit defensively sound against them, I think they can squeak out a series win. So, um, yeah, they prediction prediction wise, um, I I'm still gonna go Stars just because I think they're. Their uh, forward group is going to be too much for Seattle to handle, but um, I'm not saying not saying it's going to be easy for the Stars. I'm rooting for Seattle, so I'm going to go oh, with for Seattle. Sure. For sure, uh, I'm rooting for Seattle. But. I'm rooting for Seattle. But I think the thing with me is I always just have a million hot takes, which as everyone knows, <laughs> hey, some of my hot takes have been looking good, though. Jaron Duran's been playing well. We'll get into the Sox in a couple minutes. Duran's been playing well. Verdugo's my dog. Obviously, he's been playing well. <laughs> A lot of my hot takes, some of them panning out. Um, this isn't really as crazy of a hot take. I mean, I'm not a Seattle Kraken fan, so I've been talking about them all year, so this isn't really a crazy hot take. But I'll take Seattle uh, in seven. That's what I'll be rooting for. Yeah, they got my guy, uh, Jordan Everly. Everly, former Isle. Yeah, yeah. Former yep. Isle legend. I had a fantasy <laughs> back in the day as well, back when I did fantasy hockey. Good thing I stopped doing that because I wasn't great at it. Uh, next series, Vegas, Edmonton. I'm rooting for Edmonton. I'm rooting actually for Edmonton the rest of the way now. Um, I'm going to take Edmonton winning this series. They just beat 
the Kings in six games. A little bit of struggle. The Kings actually gave them a little bit of series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take Edmonton winning this series, though. I would take seven. I the other one going seven. I'm going to go Edmonton in six. Yeah. Vegas I, is a good yeah. team, though, but Vegas did just, you know, beat, uh, what was it, Winnipeg in five games. Winnipeg was good, but what would I you mean, say I, in the uh, series? I actually agree. I don't think that the, that the Knights are as good as they have been in years past. Um, Great coach and Cassidy, but yes. Um, I think they're a little, I mean, they just won 4-1, to one, so it's, this is going to sound a little stupid, but I don't think they're that consistent of a team. Like, I mean, the Islanders beat them a bunch of times this year, and, I mean, obviously Islanders weren't the... We're in a top-notch team this year, so... Um, and what, what I just said about the Stars having a lot of uh, firepower in their forward group, I mean, the Oilers have even more, so... Yeah, McDavid. Um, Connor McDavid, the I don't legend. Think, I don't know if there's a team in the NHL that can hold them down, so... Um, Leon Dreisaitl and so McDavid yeah, both. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, Edmonton in six. I'll go Edmonton in six. I, I do like McDavid. I'll root for him always. Love to see him get a ring. Uh, so now we're going all the way to the right. We're going to go to the Eastern Conference here. We have the Florida Panthers versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs winning their first playoff series since 2004, so exciting times for them. Every single year, they're a really good team, just like the, the Toronto Blue Jays. Find yep. ways to lose in the playoffs this <laughs> this year. Though they did it, though they beat Tampa Bay in six. I never got to record a, an episode on my faux predictions. I would have had Tampa Bay winning in six or seven games, so I would have been wrong yep. about this. So mm-hmm. Toronto did surprise me there. Who would you have winning this series? I'm going to go Toronto winning this, even though Florida was a scrub team versus the Bees, and now they're obviously flying high. I'm going to go with Toronto winning the series. I'm a big John Tavares guy. I know, obviously, from Isle. <laughs> Isle legend there. I'm going to go with Toronto winning the series in six games. What do you got? I, I think I'm going Florida seven again. I think the... Expect it. Why not? I like the Rangers the, last year. Two game sevens in a row win. Yeah. I think the uh, I think the Toronto curse is going to keep going. Um, and I I don't know what it is about Toronto. I think it's just they, they, they don't have a ton of depth and their defense is non-existent. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them blow another series that they are projected to win. Um, and, I mean, that kind of just – with them, it's always it's always shown that you can't really win when you're giving your top, your top three guys each $10 million and have no depth beyond that. Um, and they still, they, they've, they still haven't uh, fixed their defensive issues since – in the last three years, so yeah, um, I think I think they lose this, um, but I'm 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 saying I'm saying uh, seven games. So uh, you might be right about Florida. They're up one nothing already in the first periods. I don't hey. know. <laughs> already a hot start for them. Uh, and now we'll move over to the other series in the East with the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm gonna say the Carolina Panthers, but Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> and the New Jersey Devils. Devils got a big game seven win over the Rangers last night. This is the Devils' first playoff series win since 2012. Obviously, big things for them. Schmidt, their goalie, was in the AHL to start the year, even mm-hmm. for a lot of the season. I think he was playing for the Utica Comets. Ended up coming up big for them. I think he made 32 saves yesterday in a big game. Obviously, blank for the Rangers. Rangers couldn't get a goal. That was mm-hmm. obviously tough. I don't know about the series. I was gonna say Carolina, but without Tyrvinen, obviously, and Losing, uh, it was, what's his name? Svechnikov. I said 20 times this episode. Svechnikov, <laughs> losing both those guys, that's obviously two big losses there. The Devils obviously flying high. I don't think anybody wants to see them really get too hot. I know you were rooting for the Devils in that Game 7, right, yesterday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with the Devils winning this. I know you're a Jersey kid, but you're an Isles fan, so I don't know if you'll be rooting for them in this series now, but I'm going to go. I know you, Carolina did beat the Isles. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to want to root for Carolina, but I know you're an Isles fan, so you might not want to root for the Devils. I'm going to go with the Devils winning this series Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go Devils in seven. Yeah, um, I'm not a I'm not a huge anti Devils. They're kind of like the they're kind of like the kind of like the little brother to the to the Rangers and the and the Isles. Like are never really too important until this year, obviously. 
Um, <laughs> and, I mean, they have a ton of young talent. I mean, they're kind of just a fun team to watch. Um, do I want to see them see them win? Not necessarily, but um, they just have a ton of young talent between Jack Hughes, Hughes Heischer. Timo Meyer got drilled yesterday. He got yeah, lit up, he, but hopefully he's all right. I don't know. I don't know what the status is on him, but I mean, if he's if he's out for any extended time, um, it's not a good look for them. Yeah, um, Truba lit him up in the middle of the ice. Yes, he got he he had to be concussed in that. I'd imagine he has a concussion. I don't play. see any, anything listed here, but I'd imagine um, probably has a concussion. He got, he got hammered in the middle of the yeah, ice. Yeah, they're, right. they're, they're probably going to wait and say game time decision, and so they're not giving the Hurricanes any thoughts. Um, but that team just has a ton of young talent, and, I mean, they turned it around against the Rangers being down 2-zip um, to win that series. And, I mean, I thought... I, Outside of the Bruins, I thought that the Rangers were the second-best team in the NHL, had, had the second-best odds. I mean, the offense um, was just ridiculous on that team. Both The first two lines were great. Obviously, the power play line, mm-hmm. unreal. Good goalie, Shesterkin. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rangers had very, very few weaknesses. Adam Fox, good defenseman. Yeah, they have a lot of um, good players. But the Rangers made some mistakes, and the Devils capitalized on it. And I think the same could happen in this series. Um, Carolina's a little bit more defensively sound. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, Fox... Like physical, and, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, because uh, Adam Fox and Keandre Miller, they're more offensively-minded yeah. um, defensemen, so they're going to make some more mistakes and be aggressive for the Devils to capitalize on. But um, if the Devils can uh, keep the um, the top Carolina lines down and score Carolina some... Carolina plays, plays hard. Manage to score yeah. some scrappy goals against the Hurricanes, I see no, no reason why the Devils don't win in six. Okay. I see no reason. I like it. Um, because they're they're also a pretty pretty deep team. I mean, you you go across their lines and they just have talent. Um, but basically zero playoff experience outside of Palat, um, Palat, Dougie, and uh, um, Halla. I mean none. So you're right. Um, we'll see if they can if they can continue to play smart in uh, high leverage games. Um, they've done so so far, um, and obviously, like I said, they turn around against the Rangers, so you can't really count them out, um, especially when I think the Hurricanes are not as good as the Rangers, so um, yeah. I see no reason why the Devils don't take this. I like it. It's good takes on the NHL. So there's a whole NHL breakdown of the future for the Isles and the Bees. Obviously, a whole breakdown of the Bruins game seven loss, talked about the Isles and the Hurricane series, and gave our thoughts for the next series uh, in the NHL playoffs. So now... Really quick, we're going to move on. I'm going to talk about the Celtics for a couple minutes, and we'll talk baseball for the last five minutes or so. I'll probably get out of here probably about 7.57 uh, since i got to meet with the professor on Zoom, which is going to be exciting, uh, talking about evolutionary economics. So got to do that at, in 10 minutes. So uh, it's at 8 o'clock, so we got some time here. We, I'll do it live in the studio, but I'll make sure you know, we're done with this episode. But anyways, we'll talk about the Celtics really quick. Tough game on loss yesterday to the Sixers who didn't have, didn't have Joel Embiid. I don't know how you lose that game, but they did lose it. Tough loss for the Celtics. And if you look at it, the Sixers ended the game on a, I believe it was a 12-4 to run in the last minute and 38 seconds of the game. Mm-hmm. And the Celts had the lead even with, they had a lead, to, which Marcus Smart had some big shots in the last minute. The Celts had a, let me see here, I'll give you the whole breakdown. Celts had, I'm trying to see what their biggest lead was here on the fourth, but they were up though. I mean, they were mm-hmm. up multiple times, Smart had some big shots. It was, it was a lot of back and forth, but they were up four points with three minutes and 16 seconds to go. There was a couple bad turnovers in there as well. Uh, if you look at it, 
the turnover from Belka Brogdon. The Celtics are up by oh a point with 32 yeah. seconds left. Yeah. Which the shot clock's running. I don't know why the Celtics did this. They did this on two straight possessions where I know you're still up. You're up by a point. You're up three points. Two, two separate possessions. They dribble out the entire clock. So I understand you want to waste time. But at the same time, you don't want to make it, oh, we're just throwing a shot at the rim just to do mm-hmm. it with three seconds left in the yeah. shot clock. Yeah. No, you want to at least run an offensive play and make something happen. That's my one criticism with Joe Missoula. Late in games, the Celtics haven't been making plays like that. They obviously awful turnover by Malcolm Brogdon. Veteran play, she know better than that. Hands the ball to Tyrese Maxey. Maxey going down the court down by one. Has a layup for the you know lead change. Obviously gives a six to the lead. What I didn't like on that play too, the Celtics, which no one's going to catch up with Maxey on that play. Maxey's a jet. Nobody hustled back, even made an effort yep. to get back on defense. That's the opposite of basketball, the type of basket I like to see you know, from the players I'm a fan of and, and the teams I'm a fan of. But obviously tough loss to the Celts. Harden, though, did turn back time. He had 45 points, 6 assists, 17-30 from the floor, 7-14 from three. Tatum played very well, 39 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, a block, a steal, adding 4-5 shooting from three, 14-25 from the floor. Jalen Brown, very efficient game, 8-10 from the floor, 3-4 from three, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. Marcus Smart hit some big shots in some big moments. My thing with Marcus Smart, though, is why does Tatum defer to Marcus Smart with, with, <laughs> with 30 seconds left in the game? Gives Marcus Smart the ball, and Smart gets it to, I think it was Brogdon, and then Brogdon ends up turning, or, yeah, went from Smart to Tatum to Brogdon. Regardless, though, there's another possession where Marcus Smart hits some big shots in that fourth quarter. I don't want the Celtics to defer to Marcus Smart. If you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and everyone is as good as what people think they are, yeah. which I think they have two very good plays, don't get me wrong. I don't think Jason Tatum is Kobe Bryant like most Boston Celtics fans do, but regardless... If they're if they're as good as they should be, you, you're not giving Marcus Smart the ball with the sure. you know whether you're up by two or down by two. You're not giving Marcus Smart the ball, and the Celtics for some reason consistently do that. They give Marcus Smart the ball in big moments. They yeah. did it last year against the Heat. Did it last year against the Bucks. It worked out against the Bucks. Hit the big shots. They did it last year against the Heat. It worked out. Hit some big shots. Didn't work out against the Warriors, obviously. And even in this game, I mean, he did hit some big shots. So sometimes it does work out. But at the end, at the end of the day. The ball should be Tatum and Brown's yeah. hands and isn't yeah, always for like sure, that. Because, I mean, Smart's best attribute is flopping. So, I mean, he should Def- not be... Defense, <laughs> hey, defense. <laughs> defense. He should not be getting the ball with, with 30 seconds left for sure. So uh, Yeah, that's obviously tough. You don't want to see that. But I think the Celts will be all right. It is a game one loss. And that was a bit, bad 24-hour window. The TD got it. Losing game so, seven for the Bruins. And losing game one there. Luckily, yeah. though, which I know I'll switch the topics very quick. I'll give you my thoughts on the Celtics series before I switch. I think the Celtics still win the series in seven games. I think that was my prediction in my uh, podcast over the weekend. I think I, had this, I think I had the Celtics winning in seven games. If it beat plays, if it beat doesn't play, Celtics in six. Uh, if it beat didn't play game one, six is still one somehow. But looks like it beat probably will be back at some point. So obviously Celtics will have the handful with the NBA with the NBA MVP. NBA MVP can't even speak English here, but the NBA MVP obviously in and beat obviously tough for the Celtics against him. What, what do you think for numbers in this series? You think Celtics win, Sixers win, and how many? Uh, I think I think Celtics go on a little run, uh, winning. I'll say six. Okay. I'll say six. Celtics and six. Because um, is Harden gonna have forty five points again? I don't know if he's gonna do that again. That's the only I thing. Th- I think no shot. I don't think he does that again with forty five points. But the Celtics need to figure things out late in games, though. They were they were sloppy there, and I think Missoula's partly to blame. Call a timeout, set up a play, which I think he actually did when the Celtics yeah, were down sure. on the last possession of the game. The Celtics did get a shot off. It was, let me see here, who missed the shot. The Celtics were down by two points after James Harden hit a big three with eight seconds to go. They Harden hit that three when they were down by one. Big step back three in front of uh, in front of Al Horford. Drills at Celts are down by two points with the ball with eight seconds to go. And then Marcus Smart has a bad turnover. Ends up losing the game. Uh, drives to the lane, tries to give it to Tatum. And a handoff and Paul Reed jumps in front of it. 
Paul Reed, former DePaul basketball player, we saw him play at BC freshman year. Mm-hmm. Had a very good game yesterday for the Sixes in replacement of uh, Joel Embiid. He had 10 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, a block, a steal. Three or four from four is not a great score, but good defensively. Regardless, I think the Celtics still win this series in six or seven games. Yeah. Um, but they need to get things figured out. They need to get things figured out. And they better <laughs> get fixed fast. As Joe Judge once said, Giants, former head coach, he said about the headset, his headset wasn't working mid-game. That's the reason the Giants burned two timeouts in the third quarter uh, after halftime. He said going into that press conference, he said, I don't know whose problem is. I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know whose job it is. I don't know whose job it is, but they better get it fixed. And they better get it fixed fast. <laughs> He's right. The Celtics better get it fixed. They better get it fixed fast. You don't want you don't want to go down 2-0. The Celtics have to win this next game at the TD Garden. Keep it 1-1 after one. After you know, after the first home series, and then go into Philadelphia with the 1-1 series. So, there's our thoughts on the Celtics. Really quick, I'll go around the NBA before we jump. We'll talk about the MLB. Probably a three-minute segment. The NBA, the Nuggets won last night, 97-87. Very surprising. They got a win with Jamal Murray only having 10 points. Jamal Murray, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists. I know the box score doesn't show everything. You'd see the assists and say, oh, he had a good night offensively with 8 assists. Even the 10 points doesn't show it. You look at stats, though, shooting-wise, 3 of 15 shooting, 0 of 9 from 3. They still win that game by 10 points. Katavis Caldwell-Pope came up big, 14 points, 4 of 4 from 3. One of the more underrated plays in the NBA. That's my dog. I love KCP. One of the more underrated plays in the league. Michael Porter Jr. only had five points, two of seven from the floor. They still win that game by 10 points. Devin Booker had a really good game, 35 points, five rebounds, six assists. Kevin Durant did struggle from the floor, 24 points, eight rebounds, three assists, two blocks of steal. Two of 12 from three, 10 to 27 from the floor. Took a lot of bad shots. Didn't get to watch the game. I watched the highlights. Took a lot of bad shots. He he has to be better than that. Um, And then if you look at it, I just saw... Chris Paul is out games three, four, and five. So my Denver and six prediction. I said Denver at five hundred dollars. I'll go Denver and six just for the sake of it, since the NBA wants every series to go six. Jeez. It could be Denver and sooner than that. Denver could be in four. Denver <laughs> could be in four. I'm gonna go Denver at five, but we'll see. I'm rooting for Denver there. I think Denver actually could win the Western Conference. I think they pair up well with the Lakers. Which the Lakers now playing the uh, Warriors. I'm gonna go Lakers in seven there against the Warriors. What are your predictions in that series, Lakers Warriors? Uh... I know, I know you love Clay Thompson, so I, I have a feeling that you're going to go with them. Yeah, I mean, I think the Warriors still have just too much talent between uh, between Steph and Clay. Steph, Clay, and I mean Wiggins. Like, like, yeah, whenever one of them is down, uh, Poole has been stepping up for them at least during the regular season, and uh, now with Wiggins back, I think they just have too much talent, and the Lakers just don't have that. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I mean, they got obviously LeBron, AD, D'Lo, but I'd agree with the scoring. Scoring the Warriors, yeah. they, can, they can drill threes in, in a flash. The, the Lakers don't really have that great of shooting besides D'Angelo Russell. Shooting at a couple threees here and there. Yeah, LeBron's I mean, been with, shooting more threes. But. Yeah, I mean, with, with AD and uh, uh, D'Lo, I mean, you kind of just don't know what you're getting that day. No, I mean, no, you never know if AD is going to stay healthy. That's a problem. LeBron, but I think, is fairly consistent, but... From them too, you don't know what you're getting. Absolutely. And one surprising thing is, under Steve Kerr, the Warriors are 19-0 in playoff series in the Western Conference. They've never lost a playoff series in the West. They've obviously lost NBA Finals to the, obviously, Cavs, but they've never lost a Western Conference playoff series with Steve Kerr. 19-0. The last time they lost a playoff series was... Against the Clubs, right? Yes, Clippers. You drilled it. Clippers back in the Lob City days. You drilled me. <laughs> caught it right before that. Impressive, Bezel. Look at you. Uh, you were right. Against the Clippers the last time they did it. So, very impressive run there, though. Very impressive run there for the Warriors uh, in the West Conference. So you can't really bet against them easily. But I'm going to take the Lakers winning in seven there. Uh, as for the Heat and the Knicks series, they have Randall back tonight. They have Brunson back tonight. Both of them, Brunson obviously played game one, but he's fully healthy off the injury report. 
Randall is back tonight. It is a 22-20 game. The Heat are up without Jimmy Butler in game two. Jimmy Butler did have a great game one. Came back from the ankle injury late in the game. Gets him the win. I have the Heat winning that in six games. What do you got? Heat next. I agree. I like the I, I, I definitely like the Heat. Um, Joey Butler's been playing out of his mind. Best player in the playoffs um, every year. Yeah, Does get I mean, respect, though. I mean, you had some, you had some uh, deep threats with, uh, with Hero. I mean, he's, he can absolutely light up the score sheet. Um, and Bam is solid in the center. Um, I think he's going to be too much for... Uh, I said that, too. Rich, Mitch Robinson has playing great in the paint, but mm-hmm. the problem is Bam can play a little bit in the mid-range, take him out of the paint a little more, mm-hmm. opens up the floor for Jimmy if he's healthy. Okay, Vincent's been shooting threes well. It opens up the floor a little bit more with with, yeah. with Bam. So I'd agree with you. I have the Heat winning that series in six. Um, really th- really quick, though, we have a couple minutes. I'll probably hop on the Zoom in like three minutes. So I went, we got a minute and a half, two minutes. So we'll talk Red Sox for a minute, Mets for a minute. The Red Sox obviously saved Boston sports yesterday. Alex Verdugo <laughs> picking up his third walk-off hit of the season. The Red Sox fourth walk-off hit overall. Verdugo had a big home run. He's two of two tonight with two doubles. He's had a very hot start to the season. Very impressive run there for him. No one deserves it more than Verdugo. He's the hot and soul of the team. Very excited, uh, very happy, I should say. Excited to see, you know, what he's been doing, obviously, to stop the season, but very happy. I think he deserves it. Same thing with Jaron Duran. Both of them have been playing great. Now Verdugo has three walk-off hits. No one else in the MLB has more than one. And he's also tied for second most walk-off hits. He has six of them now since 2021. Tied for second most in the majors with Aaron Judge. Jorge Alfaro somehow was seven, which is number one. Verdugo, though, tied for the second most since 2021. Sox are two to nothing now after a single by Rob Ref Snyder. They also had a home run. Uh... Or was a double. You got thrown out trying to turn it into double. Uh, but they also got a home run for Christian Royal tonight. Uh, two nothing socks. Verdugo's been playing great. Duran's been playing great. Both of them, my boys. Mets really quick. What are your thoughts on them? Obviously, they have some injuries with Verlander being hurt. Now, yeah. they obviously have shows um, coming back from obviously the suspension. But let's have Mets talk for a minute or two. Yeah. So I mean, their rotation has been just uh, an absolute dump, dumpster fire the last two weeks or so with uh, Carrasco out and Quintana's. Didn't even start the year healthy. Um, and Verlander, same thing. Um, he should be coming back uh, either tomorrow, um, you know, tomorrow or Thursday. Um, and Sanga's been up and down. Like, he started out very well. In the last two starts, he's been a little iffy. Um, but with Scherzer coming back from suspension and Verlander coming back, I think they figure out the rotation. I'm not too concerned there. Um and the lineup, I mean, the lineup today, um, I think the game's postponed, so I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but um, the lineup today was Brett Beatty batting eighth and Francisco Alvarez batting ninth. And Beatty and has been hitting, I think he's his average is at like 320, has two homers on the year. Um, he's been playing out of his mind since coming, uh, coming back up this year. Um, and Jaron Duran. he absolutely fixes that third base hole that the Mets have had. 333 hitting so far. Um, absolutely fixes that hole because Escobar has done absolutely nothing over the last two years. Um, I mean, he had a, he had a pretty big homer, uh, yesterday. September is hot last year, Escobar. Um, we pointed that out in the podcast before. But yeah, he, he definitely fixes that. And if Alvarez the last seven games or so, he has an OPS over 900, so he's been getting a little bit hotter. Uh, his average is up to 220-ish, um, I want to say. I'll um, give you right now. Alvarez year. is hitting 225. You drilled it. Yeah. Got a homer and four RBIs as well. Yeah. So, I mean, Alonso. He's, so, yeah, so, so he's been heating up. Um, so, like, his, his, his numbers uh, should start to get better and better. Um, and you have a catcher who's hitting, let's say he gets his OPS to 
I don't know, 7.30, 7.40 from a catcher, you absolutely take that. Um, and I'll be thrilled with that. His OPS is, I think, just under 700 right now um, on the year uh, because he started out like with an 080 average. Yeah, he started out very poor. He but he's at pretty horrible. He is at, now Vias is at 639, Alvarez 569. But they'll get up there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a limited mm-hmm. at bats, too. Oh. I mean, you know, so you get more at bats, obviously, yeah, they could go so, up. But I mean, yeah, rush yeah, too, yeah. yeah. So uh, analysts have been saying that he's been figuring it out more and more. And obviously, Pete tied yeah, for the lead. T- tied for the lead. 11 home runs. Uh, 11 homers. Um, and OPS near 900, so he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, would like would like to see the average numbers up a little bit more, but I mean you can't complain with 11 homers. Um, and Marte and Lindor should figure it out. Uh, they're both around like a 210 average, so not great start for them. But a month. Um, they'll month. figure it out. I mean McNeil figured it out. He uh, he started off slow, and now his average is up to over 300. So. Yeah, um, maybe that's three hundred four. He's been pretty great. Nemo has also been playing out of his mind. So three twenty. They've kind of been homers. they've kind of been carrying the pitching a little bit. Um, they've obviously had some duds recently, but um, that with with the bottom two in the order, like I just said, I mean they could have the deepest lineup in the in the league if Marte and Lindor figure it out. They'll figure it out. I, I have confidence in the Mets. I'm rooting for the Mets always too. You know that. I think they might pick in the end. Which I still have to. I, I have my predictions yep. on Excel spreadsheet. I actually have it through the mouth. So I still have to do that. But I do the Mets winning. I think the most games in baseball this year. So yeah, I, mean, I think a lot we'll of people kind of counted them out with uh, with with uh, Diaz going down. So I mean, D Rob has played absolutely out of his mind. Probably ERA sub one. Um, yeah. And his and he, I think he is already up to six saves or something. So he's definitely filled in well and. Uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing now. I mean, their record isn't great, but I mean, with guys coming back, they're 16 and 13 right now, only three games out, and I mean, the NL East is completely different from the AL East. You got the 100. You got the Yankees in last place with 15 and 15. So everyone's over 500 or better in the AL East, which is nuts. The only yeah. division base. Then you look at, I believe, it was the AL Central. Only has one team over 500. Yeah, just the Twins, which is nuts. So yeah. that's how baseball goes. I mean, you just don't get lucky. Luckily for the Red Sox playing less games in the division this year, and my boy Jaron Duran has had a very hot start to the season. He's hitting 404, two home runs, nine runs scored, 11 RBIs. His on-base position is 421. He has a great glove right now. He's 11-13 OPS, uh, which I think is third best in baseball among, you know, I forget what the cutoff was in that bat. So if you have a cutoff in there where it's he only has 57 plate appearances, but I saw a stat that he's the third best in uh, baseball and OPS. So I'm not sure the cutoff is maybe like 50 at bats or something, but third best there, 11 RBIs. Most impressive stat, nine doubles. He has 21 hits, Jeez. nine doubles in 14 games. That's nuts. A lot of speed, has two stone bases in two attempts, and has had a great glove too defensively. I'm happy to see him doing big things. Verdugo's been playing great. Verdugo's two of two already tonight. Sox have a 2 nothing lead already here in the bottom of the third against Toronto, a team that beat the Red Sox a ton last year. So, We'll see what happens with the Sox. Keep, see what happens uh, for the Mets the rest of the way. I'll have you back in. I mean, I only have a couple more Tuesdays left, but I want to do more midweek ones, like Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe on a Monday here and there. Now that classes are over, I'm going to do a couple more episodes, hopefully. Take advantage of live episodes while I can. So, anyways, that will conclude the episode. Thank you so much for coming in. Dan, Dan the Man Barons, King right. of Hasbrook Heights, here right. live in the studio. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. I know... I, you have, do have a lot of fans, so I'm sure you, I'm sure people did enjoy it. But I do know Dan does know his stuff, though, and I'll, in all respect to sports. So I try. I try. I appreciate you coming in, Dan. Much appreciated. Uh, we'll have you back on again, definitely for sure. Just talk Mets, Isles, Giants, maybe little uh, Clippers in the offseason. We'll see. Oh yeah. Um, but anyways, thank you, Dan, for coming mm-hmm. in. Everyone, thank you guys so much for listening in. A few shout-outs really quick. Shout-out to my uncle, 
Frankie, thank you for always listening in. Shout out to Chris. Shout out to Frankie. Shout out to Teresa. Thank you guys always listening. Much appreciated. Shout out to my parents, my siblings. Shout out to the Loftus family. Tim, my biggest fan, the biggest fan of the show. Thank you for always listening in and giving me your thoughts and feedback. Much appreciated. Shout out to the Key family. Thank you guys always listening in. Does mean a ton to me. Shout out to Auntie Lisa. Shout out to the sports guru, Mike Hurley. Shout out to Dan the Man Barons. Shout out to Hasbro Heights also. We did mention Hasbro Heights enough. Shout out to Hasbro Heights. We got the king in here. Uh, so thank you guys for listening in. Much appreciated. I'll be back in the studio next Tuesday night, 7 to 8 o'clock, Tuesday, May 9th. I do have two finals that day during the day, but I'll be back on um, at some point. So thank you guys for listening in. Much appreciated. Hope you guys have a good one. And one last shout out. Shout out to the O'Malley family. Thank you guys for always listening in. Much appreciated. Hope you guys all, all have a great rest of your week. Stay safe and stay well. Thank you guys for listening always. Have a good rest of your night.